Welcome to the Becoming You podcast. I'm your host, Megan, a mindset coach passionate about helping you feel empowered to be your most authentic and confident self. In these episodes, you can expect to find raw and honest solo conversations, practical tips, inspiring interviews and insights that will cover topics like self-awareness, self-development, anxiety, health, and so much more. If you're ready to take back ownership of your life and feel confident to step into who you truly are, then this podcast is for you. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Becoming You podcast. Today I'm chatting with Nadia Zakaria, a mental health and performance coach who helps people balance their minds, learn how to be strong communicators and build quality, meaningful relationships. Thank you for joining me, Nadia. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited about this conversation. (laughs) Um, I love your content that you do on Instagram and the way you share about relationships and communicating in general. So it's a it's a topic that I'm passionate about myself, like going on my own sort of growth journey through relationships. And so I wanted to dive in and, and just have a little chat about relationships and energies and communication and all of that juicy stuff. So Yeah. Well, <laughs> all about it these days. So you um hopefully it's come to the right place for that conversation. Um so before we dive into that, I'd love for you to just share with us a little bit more about you, what you do, and also like what lights you up in life, like what brings you joy. I was just, we were just having a laugh about this before we pressed record. <laughs> Question really hard sometimes because it's like I, I think I've worn a lot of different hats in my life and then trying to summarise all those hats and how they come together and what I do, I sometimes find difficult, but I will I will try. Um, so I go by the term mental health and mental performance coach and I, I guess my pillars are the ones that you mentioned in my intro, which is throughout the work that I've done, um, both in my previous life in human resources, my personal life, which has been pretty interesting, and my professional life, tapping into my undergrad in psych and now working as a coach. I have found that if if I can create a balanced mind within someone, if I can teach them how to communicate and I can help them cultivate, you know, meaningful, purposeful relationships, then that's a pretty fantastic life. So that's essentially what I try to help people achieve. And I do that, you know, Instagram is a big modality for me, kind of educating and connecting that way. I work one-on-one um, and I do also do like some group stuff and um, run an, a community in South Melbourne called Cold and Conscious, where we kind of do the ice baths and the breath work and sort of like to dip my hats in in different things like that. Um, So that's me professionally, I guess. Personally, honestly, that is also what lights me up. It was funny. I was, um, I went and saw some family on the weekend and I was reading this Gabor Mate book, which is like this big. And they're like, is that, um, is that personal or business? And I was like, oh, well, both because (laughs) I, reading this book, even if I didn't do what I did for a job, you know, I've just been lucky enough that I turned all the things I loved into what I do for work. Like I always read about psychology anyway, and loved reading and audio books and having interesting conversations with people. And I just find humans and the way they tick really interesting. So like, to be honest, as me and my boyfriend have had an argument about whether that could be classified as fun. Cause he was like, reading and sound bowls isn't fun. And I was like, but it- is fun for me and he's like no like what else do you find fun and I was like oh like I find other stuff fun but like honestly like that's a big part of what lights me up and then obviously it is it's it's relationships it's communicating it's my own peace of mind and things that give me that so you know nature and having a dance and yeah things like that I guess 
I can relate to that because when I think back to myself in the past, the things that I thought were fun, now I'm like, that's just not a thing for me. Now it's all nature and I love the sound bowls and breath work. <laughs> reading. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if you're, I don't know if it's if you're in this work, but I definitely think that if you're doing this, like it's just something that goes together. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like I'm the same. I was like a big party girl and like went out and, you know, that was my fun for a really long time. And I definitely think you do still need to find play. And that's Mm. probably that I am maybe still working on a little bit because I think I went from being a full party girl to then working two jobs because I was in HR while also starting my own business. So then I sort of didn't have the time to have play. And then finally transitioning into being completely self-employed, which then in itself was a, a all my focus. And now I'm in a place where I definitely have the capacity for fun, but I probably haven't all the way figured out what that still looks like for me now that I like don't love drinking, I don't really do drugs, like, you know, like a lot of those things that used to be fun are kind of being taken away. So it is like at the moment, I guess, like, hiking and nature and it is reading and stuff but I I definitely think I probably do need to find a bit more play as well (laughs) the awareness of that too right and I think with seasons of our life that changes as well like you said like if you're if you're working and you just don't have the time and now you're at a place of this capacity I suppose now it's about exploration and going okay what do I actually yeah to do um it's interesting that you said play because I actually would like to talk a little bit about energies so masculine and feminine energies which I know is something that you talk about um, quite a lot and it's something that I have also been really diving into over the past year or so and I think it's helped me tremendously in Mm -hmm. my life in general yeah Yeah, if you could just kind of go over like what what masculine and feminine energies are and like how they are important in our relationships Mm -hmm. yeah um I'm going to use an analogy because I love an analogy and like so do I this is how I like I personally best kind of get my head around it. And one that I've used before that I think paints a good picture is I want you to imagine that um, if we were building a house, that the masculine is the the floor, the walls, the roof. It is um, somewhat unmoving. It is strong. It is tall. It is um, action-oriented. It is. It is, the, it is the structure that holds everything together and that guides, um, you know, it, the, whereas the feminine is everything going on inside the house. So it is the, the, the thermostat and the decor and it can go anywhere you want it to go. It has no fixed way of being. It has its flow, its motion. It changes. Like one second the room could be one way and the next second the room could be the other way. Um and that's kind of how I like to look at the masculine, the feminine. It's, you know, it is the in, in their traditional forms, it's that more rigid, uh, action-oriented, goal-oriented, fixing things, um, knowing itself, somewhat like less emotional. It's very, it's very functional. Whereas the feminine is much more flow. It's emotion. It's the ocean. It's the wind. It's, it looks calm, but if you get stuck in a rip, it will really do some damage, you know? And that's how I kind of like to look at both of them. And that also explains why they're important together, right? Because imagine just an empty house, you know, it's just those walls, it's just um, the roof and it's it's just that. That's not a house you really want to live in. But by the same purpose, uh, the most beautiful interior you've ever built outside in the wind isn't going to last for very long. So 
the those two energies and the way they work together in a relationship is what can that polarity is the word they use and that's kind of like what kind of balance of masculine and feminine energy do you have in a relationship and what they suggest is a relationship that has good polarity one has very good sexual charge there's a lot of like passion and connection but they also balance each other out so it is that traditional like you know if we use the old school mentality of maybe it was the guy that has the business and goes to work and was a breadwinner and he was able to provide emotional support to a partner that provided all the you know care and support and flexibility that the children needed but also maybe if everything was left to her devices things would have been too emotional could get too out of control whereas the masculine left to his own devices might never come home for dinner might never build anything outside of his business may never realize that he should play or have fun and when you have the right combination of those two things one within an individual and then two within a relationship you can kind of achieve those balances and then I guess the other form of relationship is something that's more neutral so what that might mean is either you kind of hold the same sort of polarities um, or you both hold quite a neutral charge so you're kind of not really one way or the other yourselves you kind of you neutralize and what can happen there is maybe one of those more like you're my best friend you know that really best relationship that maybe it works really it's really um there's no turbulence sometimes but it's also lacking in that purpose that passion and often the sex and stuff can sometimes be a problem in more neutral relationships yeah no I definitely relate to that too and I think from what you said there about the traditional um model of like you know the man goes to work and he's the breadwinner and the the woman obviously stays at home and and provides for the children I think that's kind of been lost or that's what we think it means today now to be like masculine feminine and I definitely got caught in that and was like well I don't want to be I don't want to be that I don't want to be the feminine I'm doing quotation marks for anyone that can um because I was like no I like I want to be independent and I want to fend for myself and all the things Mm -hmm. and I think getting swept up in that I want to call it hustle culture of like I can do things for myself I actually lost sight of the fact that I am feminine at my core because um, obviously we have both within us, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I lost sight of the fact that it's not really about that. It's about the energy and the play and the, the is about the emotion too, right? And bringing that into it. And I lost sight of that thinking that it was something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now I've started allowing that back in, like this sense of um, surrender even, you know, emotional, being flexible, play, it's actually created not only more happiness within myself, but then within my relationship as well. And I think a lot of women especially do get caught up in that. But I wanted to know what you thought about that. Yeah, well, I think it's important to understand like both exist within you, yeah? So every man and woman have both feminine and masculine qualities in different uh concentrations I suppose Mm. Um, yes the traditional societal environment was more conducive to women being able to be in their full flow of feminine and was more conducive to men being able to be in their full masculine and the society that we live today especially like you mentioned that hustle culture and the girl boss culture is really kind of taking us another way in that sense because you know women they want, you know, they wanted, we did, we wanted our rights back and we deserved them and and wanted equal play in the world. But I do think that this is a little bit like, unfortunately, where things have gone astray, where it's like, 
we're trying so hard to be equal that we're not actually kind of allowing ourselves to balance off one another. And actually, like you said, for women to be in a position where they're, they feel comfortable to be safe and supported mm. or able to flow, like there's something that maybe tells them like, oh, I'm not being independent enough, you know, I'm being too this or men potentially being, again, pushed to be more in their feminine or it's toxic to be too masculine and too this way. And I do think it's become unfortunately like a real political argument almost rather than just being an individual thing that you need to decide where you sit on. I personally was a woman that operated far more out of my masculine energy because um, anyone who's had to survive or anyone that has been unsupported or lived through difficult life circumstances will likely potentially have a strong masculine because that comes out like it's the part that gets shit done, right? It doesn't right. get to it's the provider, it's the protector. So that will rise when you need it to rise. But the thing that I have found is that everything has a consequence. So like you said, when you weren't, when you were leaning more into the masculine and being that girl boss, you're, you lost parts of you and you felt mm. relationships suffer. So it's not for me to tell anyone who they should be or how they should be, but I, I guess, speak to an ethos where I believe that, predominantly women have a feminine core if they were actually in an environment that allowed it and I think predominantly men have a masculine core and that when we actually are all on the same team and have good balance and feel safe and trust one another then we actually get to be the best of what we are and then as a team be a whole that really works um and and that's hard because like it's it's almost I reckon like like you can get cancelled a little bit for even saying some of the things that I'm saying, right? It's <laughs> a bit like I can't even say that, you know, you know, some women feel like they can't stay, oh, I want to stay at home, you know? Like mm. it was like there's this pressure to be another way and I think when I have just seen a lot of like r- divorce rates are like what the highest they've ever been. I see so many. I remember like before I got into my relationship thinking, I don't actually have many relationship role models that I look at and I go, I would ever want a relationship that looks anything like yours. And I saw that and I saw my own repeated relationship history and and the learnings that I was getting for it. And I was like, something's not right. We're not doing, something's not working, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's how I also ended up on this like masculine feminine journey. And for me and for the clients that I've worked with, leaning more into those the that natural polarity I have seen work really well and leave both partners feeling more fulfilled um and like healthier like I've spoken a little bit about it um online recently but like I actually this since last year I've been having quite a few like health issues um in relation to my cycle my periods Mm. and my energy and stuff like that and you know tackled that originally like more eastern med and then um no western med I always get that confused so like now I'm kind of have been working more with an acupuncturist and Chinese medicine and a lot of essentially what I'm being told is that like the health issues I'm having come from the fact that I have been in my masculine line for so long and it's actually causing health consequences and I've seen it in my clients like I have a few girl boss clients same thing cycle issues high testosterone like there is this pattern that keeps emerging that, you know, it, it has a consequence. Like 
I got a lot done running out of that gear and I've built a business and done all sorts of stuff. But ultimately now coming into my 30s, my actual health has taken a toll from being under a pressure that's not as natural to my system. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like to think that it has that impact on your health. Yeah. Like it it almost sounds so wooey, you don't believe. (laughs) Honestly, like go and speak to any, like if you have like, I guess, girl boss friends and I'd be curious if coming into their 30s like whether they have any kind of issues with their cycles or sleep and stress and stuff like that because I'm seeing it a lot in my clients and also within myself well even like taking I mean taking the energies out of it but even being in that hustle culture of doing like all the time no one can sustain that it's like cortisol levels just the stress of being in that and we know that obviously stress impacts your physical health anyway so it makes complete sense um and I, I don't think that we're there's like a wide understanding or, or awareness that this the energies thing is even a thing like I didn't know about this until like yeah. last year <laughs> and yeah. now now I've read about it I'm like oh it makes some sense like I actually yeah. understand that now well I think we kind of maybe spoke about it in weird stereotypes like gender stereotypes right. kind of existed and I think that's maybe why there's some rejection of it because people are saying like well, that's feeding into the, you know, the old stereotype that men shouldn't this and women shouldn't Mm. that. That's, again, maybe why there's some resistance there. But there's also, like, some of it's, like, grounded a bit in science, like, in terms of, like, women have more, like, parts of their brain that process emotion and, like, release oxytocin when they, like, speak about their, if we speak about our emotions and someone listens, like, it actually reduces our stress. Whereas with some men, I, I believe it can increase stress if men talk to about their emotions just because of the way their brains work differently right yeah it's and that's undeniable we're programmed differently so yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely on the same page with you about that um I'd love to know how you personally have learned to balance your own energies within yourself to help create more of a conscious relationship yeah um so it started with um the comment I made earlier about like wondering why my like dating life was going the way it was you know like I found the men that liked me were like the softer more emotional like nice bestie kind of guy that I wasn't attracted to yeah and guys that I was more attracted to didn't seem to stay attracted to me for very long and that I think that investigation is what somewhere along the line someone introduced me to the concept of masculine and feminine and I think I read Way of the Superior Man and that was like my first real like intro, like highly recommend if if you're interested in what we're talking about. Such a good um, book. <laughs> once I understood that, for me it was about understanding why I wasn't in, why I was in the balance I was. So whatever your balance is out there, if you realize it's off, like you're too much one way or the other, and that could also be a woman that has too much femininity, you know, lost Mm -hmm. by emotion, swept up in them, can't get anything done, you know, them sort of stuff, right? Um, For me, it was like I was get shit done, unemotional, like, again, was showing up in in my relationships and stuff. So I I had to understand why. Mm -hmm. So that looked like, understanding my relationship with my parents their balance in those um in those energies uh like looking at my early life experience like really traditional therapy sort of stuff right Mm -hmm. but focusing on healing the wound with whatever energy is imbalanced so I needed to start healing my wounds with the feminine and kind of befriending it again so 
it was a process of that, like a more traditional therapeutic process around the people, situations and traumas that led me to be unbalanced. And then it was also like, okay, let's get to know what this whole polarity thing even means and then identify the places that seem like I might have an imbalance and also kind of systematically working on those things, you know, like so one thing was I was really unemotional. So I started, you know, trying a lot of like breath work and body work and somatic stuff and trying to heal my vagus nerve um, with cold water, seeing um, Chinese medicine and acupuncturists and stuff and and trying to get into my body was, you know, literally listening to after something sad would happen, stopping in the car and putting on a sad playlist and sitting there for 10 minutes so I could like find that speck of emotion and like breathe into it until it came up, you know. It literally was like here's a to-do list of all the things that seem a bit off and one by one being like, okay, what can I do about that? And then making a little plan because I'm action-based because I <laughs> ask kill him, you know, and then the next thing in making a plan. And then, as I said, simultaneously, like, healing those traumas with the things that cause my imbalance. And I also like worked with a number of different like practitioners through that process. I do think something like this um, can be hard to navigate on your own because you think it's normal. You might need someone else's eyes to tell you, well, maybe that's not so normal. Maybe it should be this way so that you can even consider connecting into those things. And then I would say the other way has actually also been through the through relationships like actually dating and observing their polarity and mine and how that then plays out in certain things and and that's definitely you know relationships in general have been a big teacher for me and that's why I guess now I found myself working with them a lot I think because I've seen how like powerful they are yeah a hundred percent two things in that the first was like working with somebody because you think it's normal because sometimes you need someone to show you a different perspective or ask you a question that you've never kind of thought about or just give you some guidance in some way so I definitely agree with that and also the relationship piece oh my god I thought when I left my last relationship I was healed I'm like I'm fine I've got my shit together whatever and then I got into this relationship and it was like a slap in the face like no you're not you're not healed because this is going to show you all of the triggers all of the things and I, I do truly believe that we can only go so far in our healing on our own. I do think we need someone else because they're always projecting and mirroring back to us our own shit, right? And no, 100%. I agree. It's that saying, you don't know what you don't know. And a good way to find out what you don't know is have other people tell you. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Um, it just made me think of a question, actually. Uh, what do you think is wrong or one of the things that is wrong with like modern dating? Just one. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. Well, I think one is this polarity issue, right? That um, very girl boss toxic masculinity culture, which I think straight off the bat makes long-term relationships hard because we don't have, you know, we've become hyper-independent. So kind of, you know, a good relationship has actually got intra-dependence. There is a certain degree of like being together and being a team and I feel like there's a lot of either like codependence or hyper independence making yeah. like hard um I think hookup culture and that kind of it's so easy to just what does um Jordan Peterson call them short-term mating strategies left it so that 
um, 80% of women want 20% of men, right? Which right. means even in a world where that 20% of men were going to commit, that still leaves another 60% of women that won't commit because they want that because they think they might get that 20%. So they're all single. Yeah. And then there's 20% of men that are left alone anyway. And the 20% of men that we all do want to date realise that everyone wants to date them and now have an ability to do this short-term mating strategy. So therefore they're just rooting and booting and being professional fuckboys and then women are allowing that because they have all these things that we want and they're that part of that 20% and I might not get that again. So even though you've been between me and this other girl for three years, I'm going to wait and eventually you might choose me, you know, mm. I think a big part of like what's going on at the moment that's that's really hard and I think that's encouraged by things like dating apps and like just, the you know, because it's at the swipe of a finger, there's a new person, a new person. And just the fact that we are very like one-use society, get a mm. iPhone, like that traditional we just kind of don't work hard for things anymore because like why would you yeah like relationships are hard like I'm in a I'm in a new relationship and you know literally when I first met my partner I was like fuck he's perfect you know we still have fucking problems it's still (laughs) are you right now if we both had someone on on speed dial when we first started dating the first time it got hard we probably would have been like oh, you know what that other person's still waiting for me I'll go on a date with them you know but we were both in a place where we kind of put all our eggs in that basket and didn't have some backup waiting so we stayed through it when it was hard and it's always been worth it but like you know like why would you bother staying in the hard thing if you have number two and number three waiting in your phone you know when you need them no 100% 100% agree um and I think they are hard, number one. I'm also in a newish relationship. God, it's so hard. But if you make that commitment, and I think this is a big part of it, like this, I'm committed to this. Mm-hmm. And like, I love you. And so yeah. we're going to make this work, even though it's hard. We're going to have the difficult conversations. And I do think part of that is, you know, convenience one, but yeah, people don't want to have the difficult conversation. They don't want to do the difficult things. So if it gets to that point, you can be like, okay, I'm just going to, they're not the person for me. I'm just going to go and find somebody else. And it's like, you're just going to keep getting to that point every relationship until you actually like work through that. Yeah. I think that's so, so important. Yeah. Like you need to be sure before you, I think it's in those early stages where you really want to like do your reconnaissance. And I kind of speak about the four pillars that I think people need to consider which is, you know, um, do we have compatible lifestyles? Do we have compatible values? Do we have compatible long-term goals? And uh, do we have that kind of love, like that passion, sexual connection piece? Like, yeah. compare. And if you looked and you do have those four things that you can see there's enough alignment that you can make that work, I think that's the point where you really go all in with someone and like you said you you work through the hard parts you know like because no one is going to be perfect forever without any work but unfortunately our society is I think getting very like used to that and like I said I just think the ease of this feeling like people are available at the end of your fingertips is promoting for that to be more of a thing there's less motivation to work hard, which is why, like, one of the things I, like, usually promote with dating is, like, to date one person at a time if you're at that point in your life. Like, start out, if you don't like them, cool, put them down and go away, but don't have, like, four on the go so that when one gets hard, it's that easy to access the second one. Like, try to get 
person all of your attention until such point you realize they're not a goal and then you move to the next. Mm. But also what are you avoiding within yourself if you have four four things on the go all the time? You know, like when are you actually sitting with yourself and looking at like what you want or what's working and what isn't? I feel like that's a lot of time and energy to be putting into so many people at once, right? Look, I've definitely done it before, right? Oh my like, God, me too. <laughs> early stages of dating there's like a few people I think it's when you're really like like you said it is either I just don't really want to be alone and I'm distracted or you're in this mentality of like fun I guess and you're just like not thinking about the consequences of it and I think that's like I like I get that I think that's why it's maybe a bit of an age thing as well like if you're if you know you don't want to commit and you don't want a relationship and you want to have fun and that's what you're doing like that's its own thing and and yeah but if you are in that place where you do think you're getting to a point where you want to have something real it's about like giving that thing a real go you know what I mean if I did four uni degrees at the same time I probably would fuck up all of them right you've got what's you got one ass you can't ride two horses (laughs) I have never heard that saying there you go you can use that one I love it I love a good saying um you obviously work with with clients too and you like um speak about relationships in in your work so I'm interested to know what from your experience people say their biggest struggle is within their relationships you know what what is the thing that they that comes up the most that's you know really hard to work through or where they feel like that it's not working in that dynamic what they say or what my observation is look we could do both (laughs) what they would say would generally be like whatever the, the the problem at hand is whereas in my experience the problem is the communication right right and generally the communication is bad because each person is so swept up in their own thing and their own need and their own ego and their own past traumas that they actually can't hear the other person you know there's a lot of like what I call mutual masturbating where it's like I love you, but only until you do what I don't like. And then you actually never really loved them in the first place. You just liked what they gave you. And then that's why there's this breakdown, you know, right. um, having not done enough independent work. So like, again, I have all these trauma from my ex-boyfriend that I haven't dealt with. So now it's our relationship's problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part I think is what I spoke about, about not considering those four pillars were in the early enough in the relationship, you know, mm-hmm. like being so swept up by like potentially the the passion piece that they didn't consider the other three things or being so swept up by they're going to get the lifestyle and maybe like the family they wanted, but the other things were missing and then later it becomes a problem. So a lot of like not actually properly getting to know the person and considering like does this relationship really work like because me liking you and me being able to build a life with you are two different things yeah so whether people have considered that and then yeah ultimately like that communication piece which I generally find is affected by the fact that both people need to do their own work so that they can actually hear what the other person's saying and they're not so swept up in their pain yeah no, I I think that's such a biggie. When it comes to just being triggered in general, I think it's really important to look at the present situation and notice if you're reacting from a place of a past experience or if you're actually reacting to what's happening in this moment and being able to stop and just like think about that and, and really, you know, acknowledge that and observe that can be so helpful um, in, you know, working through that in relationships. 
I think maybe people in our industry underestimate that so many people just would not even have the awareness to know the mm. difference that mm. you're making me like it's you you're making me feel something right. it has to do with that or maybe it's like some awareness like I know that this came up in the past but they put a lot more weight on what this partner's doing right than potentially the past so I think like when you're in this space like the word triggered is like we all know the word triggered and you you know you get it but actually I think a lot, like a lot of the population don't actually have that internal awareness, unfortunately, which yeah, makes relationships really, really tough. Yeah, no, 100%. It all comes back to doing the doing the inner work for yourself and really healing that past traumas, right? It really does. Yeah, or like, again, like engaging someone to help you as a couple with your relationship mm. community, or it's a problem because that's the other thing, like, I can give you a tool that works, but if you guys come to me and you already like kind of hate each other because you tried to fix it yourself for so long, no matter how good my tool is, your resentment still exists. So like that's my, if you're listening to this and you're in a relationship, yeah, I, I highly recommend going to speak to someone before there's a problem. If you guys do maybe need a bit of assistance in the communication space, you know, um, and a bit of structure around how you're going to do it if it's not something that comes supernaturally to either party. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important. Um, what do you think is necessary then to actually having like a fulfilling and healthy relationship? Well, again, back to the four pillars. I think that you, <laughs> I think you need to have a lifestyle that is somewhat compatible. You know, something like, what time do you get up for work in the morning? What time do they get home? Do you like to eat the same sort of foods? You know what I mean. One of you organic and the other one eats KFC. Three, <laughs> or like, it, it literally is. Do, do, do you both like to go for walks? Like, it's really that little tiny stuff getting up and going to bed and how you like the house and all you know little how you like to spend your day to day like it doesn't have to be exactly the same but do you have enough in common that one of you isn't constantly going to be like oh this isn't what I want to be doing you know from a value perspective do you have enough in common that in general the trajectory of your decisions and what you think is right and wrong and how you're going to want to raise kids and stuff aligns enough that again you can make deals to a certain degree, but your whole life shouldn't be a deal. You know, you want there to be enough compatibility there, you know, long-term goals. It is, do you want to get married? Are you religious? Do you want kids? How many kids? When do you want kids? Where do you want to live? Do you want to travel? Like, how do you think about money? Like, do you want to have heaps when you retire? Do you not care? Like, it's all those things like, can you come to an agreement? Do you have enough in common? And then, you know, yeah, that that love, passion piece, which is more complicated as a relationship get, gets long-term. Like Esther Perel talks a lot about the, the spectrum of like eroticism and safety and about how eroticism declines as safety increases. So the longer you're in a relationship, the harder it is to keep that peace alive. Um, and I do think that's probably the piece that needs if you use common sense, you can get the other three right, right? Like you <laughs> don't make a completely emotional decision, which is easier said than done in romance. Let's just say that because we've all made very emotional decisions and fucking ignored the rest of them before. We've probably <laughs> also burnt our houses down in the process of it, right? But the first three, like if you listen and pay enough attention, you can kind of see those coming and, and work on them. And then I guess the the 
what's the word? Like the thing that can throw you is people change, right? Like I've had clients like one of them has started down the growth journey and the other partner is still the way they were. And it comes down to, well, you know, did you guys have growth in common at the start is probably a good one to know because that will help you potentially like change through the seasons of life together. But I Mm -hmm. think the sex piece and keeping that alive, I think is potentially the most challenging in the long scheme with kids and all that. And I think that takes tending to, you know, like as long as you always pay attention to it and know what the other person needs and put effort and time into it, I think that's something that can definitely be tended to and and learn, you know what I mean? Read books like Esther Perel's Got Mating in Captivity and, and understand how to keep that part of the relationship alive. Like I think particularly when you have kids and stuff, like I don't have kids yet, but I see that in that period of life it becomes something that's really challenging. Mm. People later in life, if that gets, there's a reason why sex is there, yeah, it helps repair a lot of things. Like you, you, when me and my partner fight, if we don't touch afterwards, we will stay angry for a lot longer. There are things that are built into what happens when you touch and you have sex and you orgasm that help keep your relationship in the other areas cohesive and happy and like purposeful right so it's not letting that not matter you know as mm. you do relationship with un- un- which unfortunately I think happens as well right so that stereotype of when you get married you don't have sex you know yes for sure and again I don't have children either but I have also had these conversations and it seems like it's really got to be something that's you're consciously like you're acknowledging and you're having it at the forefront of your mind so that you can you can continue to do that and and the piece around sex being the reconnection is huge as well um because it is like intimacy is that connection that and I think if you've not got intimacy in the first place anyway maybe you're having sex but I'm talking about intimacy not necessarily sex then it's even harder when you have conflict to then reconnect because intimacy and sex are not the same thing yeah no I agree yeah they do hopefully go hand in hand (laughs) Generally, intimacy needs to be more than that, particularly for women. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And that, that reminds me, like, guys, if you want sex, then you must appreciate intimacy. And also for women, if you want intimacy, you must also appreciate sex. Because if you refuse to give him sex because you want intimacy, but he wants sex and he doesn't care about intimacy, why should he give you intimacy if you don't want to give him sex? You know, like, right. be really careful not to get into that tit for tat sort of culture and more be like, I think relationships are about reciprocity. Like I do things because I want to do them and then that does trigger reciprocity within you. But as soon as you realise I do something because and only and if you do that thing back and I stop as soon as you stop, that is where relationships can start to really unfold. And I do see that that's part of what happens and then communication exacerbates that because you didn't talk about it and then it became a bigger problem and now you've been tit for tatting it for ages and it's just like a whole thing. It really is. (laughs) There's there's so much to say on that too. Like it's such a big piece. It's a whole other fucking conversation. But um, I definitely agree. Um, Thank you for talking with me. Oh, my God. This has been such a good conversation. You're very Um, welcome. That went so quick. I do have um, one last question that I ask all my guests, which is what do you think the wider impact of women doing the inner work has on the world? Well, we raise babies, right? We grow babies. We we literally are the 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 carriers and creators of the future, you know. So on that very primal level, it's that like your environment, you having done the work literally creates 
the beginning for your baby, both psychologically and physically. And then when that child comes earthside, you are deciding how they view the world and how they operate within it, you know. And then outside of that space, like I said, the world is about relationships. It is about men and women working together in this big world. And when women do the work and they're in their truest, most authentic forms and they're able to be like nurturing and flow and be vessels for love and forgiveness, I think that's where so much like beauty and magic and and kindness is available in the world and that helps men and women, you know. 100% 100% agree and I always love asking that question because the, the answers are always just so beautiful so thank you for sharing that um if people are listening and they want to get in your world where can they find you yeah so um my Instagram is Nadia Sophia coaching I think there might be a full stop between that so Nadia.Sophia.coaching um or my website is currently www.mindandcore.com I'm going through a bit of a rebrand so it will eventually become Nadia Sophia coaching but um if you find me on Instagram like everything's pretty plugged from there and I'm also on Facebook and TikTok under the same handle Amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation. I have loved it and I can't wait to share this. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would share it on your Instagram and tag me at Megan Scully underscore. Till next time, my loves.